When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. It's brand new Season 2. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Episode 320, Frugal Side Hustles, Bookkeeping with Kate Johnson. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast, where you'll learn to save money, money, embrace simplicity, and live a richer life. Here are your hosts, Jen and Jill. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast. My name is Jen. My name is Jill. And today we are continuing our frugal side hustle series. We do one of these interviews every other month on a side hustle that is not only the opportunity to be lucrative, but is very low cost to start. Doesn't mean you're not going to invest any money, but we think that you can start a side hustle, start a business without a ton of capital up front. So, and that's what we highlight in these interviews. And this one's something that you can do virtually, which is Mm -hmm. even better. And Kate, it gives such a good explanation. So I'm excited for you all to hear her. But first, this episode is brought to you by Only Friends, the safest Mm. place on the internet to be. (laughs) Do you want to save more and spend less? only have five minutes a day, then get excited because the friend letter launches July 10th. It's actually a newsletter that comes to your email. We're turning the newsletter on its head and delivering everything we know about saving money and having fun while doing it to your inbox three times a week. So on Mondays, Your emails from us are going to be all about freebies. We'll tell you what companies are giving away freebies or where you might be able to find free events in your area. Wednesdays is all about saving. You'll get tips on one budget category and an actionable step to take each week. And Friday, we will send you slipping and sliding into the weekend with some spending, psychology, mental shortcuts helpful hacks, ways to think about things, reframes to help you say no to the things that you don't value and say the biggest yeses to the things that you love. So if you want to save more, spend less, find out about all the free stuff, head to frugalfriendspodcast.com slash friend letter so you don't miss the first edition. Only friends, what I wanted the newsletter to be called and was vetoed. But now it's called Friend Letter. So yeah, the friend don't go to Only Friends. I, I don't know what you'll find, but it won't be Not us. promoting that, unfortunately. Sure. All right. So we are super excited about the Friend Letter. It is uh, mm. chef's kiss. <laughs> so good. This is the second time so I've done that good. today. <laughs> yeah. Wow. 
It's the morning, too. I know. Uh, If you are interested in side hustles, which if you're listening to this episode, I anticipate you are, we have several other. We do these every other month. So we've got uh, like episode 308 uh, on becoming a virtual assistant. We have episode 293, uh, how to start a cleaning business. Episode 278, how to get into uh, running Salesforce for companies. And so this is going to be something similar similar to Salesforce in that this is something a little more specialized. Uh, It is moreover free to learn how to do. It's going to take you several months to learn how to do it. It is maybe not as lucrative as Salesforce, but depends on how niche you can get with bookkeeping, Um, but it doesn't take as long to learn. So Definitely check out, just search Frugal Side Hustle, either um, on where you're listening to this podcast or on our website, frugalfriendspodcast.com. And you can see all of our interviews with people who have started Frugal Side Hustles. But I'm, I'm really excited for this interview because I actually heard Kate uh, Josephine Johnson on the Side Hustle show like five years ago. And so I loved her then. I had no desire to start a bookkeeping business. You will find out why. But so she has been doing this for a while and she is just cut to the chase, no BS, a lovely friend and a friend who I met like a half hour ago. Uh, She owns Heritage Business Services, which is a virtual bookkeeping firm serving small businesses. And she's helping others build virtual accounting careers with her bookkeeping side hustle community on Facebook and her Substack. So this was just a great episode and so excited to share with you. Let's get into it. Hey, Kate, welcome to the Frugal Friends podcast. We're so excited to have you here. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. Thanks uh, for inviting me. So let's get into this. Tell us, what is bookkeeping? And do you need like a certain degree to do this as a side hustle? All right. So bookkeeping is just the recording of the financial transactions of a business. You spend money, you make money, you pay yourself, maybe you buy some equipment, but it's, it's basically recording that where it goes in typically one of three financial statements in accounting. There's the profit and loss, balance sheet, cash flow statement. That's like the accounting fundamental side. Um, bookkeeping typically is like kind of compared to taxes. It's not taxes. So there are accounting professionals who like the day-to-day stuff and there are accounting professionals who like the tax stuff. Some people do both. I only do bookkeeping. I don't do tax. Smart woman. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> that's, how, that's how I feel. Um so, you know, at the end of the day, in a way, it's kind of simple, right? Like I, the way I explained it, it's it's recording the daily transactions of a business. But I would say, like, I think it's a lot more complicated than that. People study accounting for, for years to get a degree. You don't have to have a degree to do this. Um, you know, I don't have a CPA. That's kind of the... Like, you know, the capstone credential for the accounting profession and bookkeeping to me and, and accounting is kind of the umbrella term. And there's bookkeeping, audit, tax, there's cat, there's like underneath the, the word accounting and you can, you know, you don't have to go all the way to get your CPA. A lot of CPAs make terrible bookkeepers. Okay. Like they don't, they don't like it. They would rather do tax or they'd rather do more advice stuff rather than clicking around and categorizing every 
transaction and building financial statements and that sort of thing. So, but I do think you need education. Um, I think it can be self-taught. There's no, um, in America, there's no formal credential that is required to be a bookkeeper in some foreign countries. I don't know how, you know, global y'all's audience is, but I think like Australia and um, England, there is like a credential to call yourself a bookkeeper, probably some more places uh, than that. Um, but in America, anyone can call themselves a bookkeeper. But I, my my goal um, and kind of some of the stuff I do is make sure people are good at the job um, when they want to do this. Um, but a lot of people learn just from online courses or you can buy textbooks and then you can take software training. So textbooks to learn the fundamentals. Uh, all the software programs that are in use now, like no one's doing general ledgers on paper, right? Like that's that's the olden days. Um, it's all in the cloud now. And all those software companies have extensive training on how to use their software. But, you know, garbage in, garbage out. If you don't know what you're doing, then using the software, no matter how much you're clicking around, you can still make big mistakes. So yeah. that's some of the ways people learn. And that's, that's kind of what bookkeeping is. Well, that's a great like... Bookkeeping is is not something, from what I'm understanding, it's not something you need like an accounting degree in, but it is specialized enough to where if you get some education that you can charge more for your services than just being like a general VA or something like very lower barrier to entry, but it's not super hard from what it sounds like. I mean, it's it has a degree of difficulty, but it's not like a high barrier to entry. I kind of, one phrase I always keep saying is like, it's not rocket science, but it does take time to learn. If like you need that. money tomorrow, if you need money tomorrow, don't go hang out your shingle saying you're a virtual bookkeeper. Um, <laughs> there are, you know, you can, you could be a, a a pressure washer or a babysitter or like, that's if you need money tomorrow, right? If you need money, but if you want to build like skill-based business, skill-based income stream, it's not... It doesn't take five years to learn it. You know, it might end up, lots of people have had accounting. Like if you have a college degree, like there's a good chance you took like one or two accounting classes and then changed your major or, you know, took <laughs> something else. So I think that a lot of people have um, one or two classes in accounting, um, even uh, um, not formal classes, not at a college necessarily, but just like true, like fundamentals training. You're going to know quickly if you are if you like it and if you're inclined to it and if you want to dig in more because it can get complex because business owners do crazy things and it's when they do the crazy things that's when your knowledge of accounting is tested if they just send an invoice and then maybe buy a zoom subscription to run on a computer that's easy when they need payroll when they're paying estimated taxes when they want to start a retirement plan when they buy a truck like that's when it starts to get harder. Yes. I love how you're describing this. Uh, and I can appreciate the degree of difficulty you're kind of laying the foundation for. Because when I first heard that bookkeeping was a job people could have, this was years ago. I, in my mind, the way that I understood it was like how my grandmother keeps logs in her checkbook. You can get paid to do that. It's very simple. She loves doing it while she eats her Oreo cookies. And then now that I I've like dug into the finances of business. 
businesses and our own business, it's it gets complicated and you really mm-hmm. have to have attention to detail that many business owners, especially for entrepreneurs, don't want. And so finding mm-hmm. people who are good at that and kind of have an, a knowledge of how do I allocate this? How do I understand this transaction to be able to set you up well when it comes to tax time? Uh, yes, it's, it's a need across the board. But as you're already kind of describing, I'm curious, Kate, what you would say would be some of those skill sets for someone who might be interested in bookkeeping as a side hustle or if they're interested in starting their own business. What are some of the key things that you know you must have this or if you have this, it's like, that's a red flag. You're not going to love it. So let's assume that everyone is going to do what it takes to learn the skill set. Like, so I'm, I'm going to assume that only people, I, I don't want anyone to do this who doesn't know, you know, what a debit and credit means, what a assets plus assets equals liabilities plus equity means like that. Those are, that's our foundation. Beyond that, one of the things I see is that a lot of people who are inclined to bookkeeping are not entrepreneurs. Okay. Like you just described entrepreneur, the natural entrepreneur hates the bookkeeping. Right. And so why also probably the bookkeeper kind of hates the entrepreneurship. And when you have a side hustle, y'all, that's kind of a business. Like it is, it is a business, except I have found ways um, that I suggest to people who, if you know, you're not an entrepreneur, you can still go to work for someone. There are big firms like, you know, Intuit who makes QuickBooks has a staff of bookkeepers that they hire and they're part-time jobs. It's like 20 hours a week. You have to be kind of have some experience to get hired. But I think that's a great way for people who just like, I want to go to work and be told what to do. I'm really good at my task. Um, And then I want to close my computer and forget it versus the entrepreneur who's on 24 seven. And so if you have to first decide, do you want to, are you ready to be an entrepreneur? And in in this field, um, and if you're not, that's okay. There's lots of ways that you can work part time for people. But if you but but after after that, all bookkeepers need to also be good storytellers. The best bookkeepers are good storytellers. So y'all are business owners, um, y'all, and so you know, like, well, I can look at a financial statement, but I don't know what it means. Like, I need someone to tell me this. Like, pick the most three 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 best important things that I need to know so I can change and make more money next month or next year. Or where am I? You know, am I on the downhill slide and I don't even see it? So a, a bookkeeper who is able to communicate, because um, we've established that people know this, the technical stuff. If you're able to communicate, you're going to stand out from the crowd because a lot of accounting types kind of struggle with that. Um, there's ways that you can do it in writing. There's ways that you can you know do a pre-recorded video if you're not good at like talking on the fly. Like there's always, but but that's what a business owner really needs is help me understand my numbers rather than just click, 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 because the, the business owner doesn't like the clicking in the software. <laughs> so yeah, so technical skills is a given. Communicating the story of the finances of the business. Um, and again, the more you know the technical skills, the more that's going to come naturally. You're, you, I can look at a, a profit and loss statement and I, I can read a story in it. If you, But that's because I see them a lot. I, I, know, I know them like the back of my hand. Um, I know the red flags. I know the pro- trouble spots. I know where all the people say where the bodies are buried. Um, I know where <laughs> that happens in financial statements um, and can point that out to to a business owner. What other skills? I'll, I'm going to say one more. In today's age, you need to be like tech curious. The accounting, like if you want to make a good living in this industry, we're not grandma, right? We're not paper ledger anymore. To make a good living, we have to 
the, the best way to do it is to value price your services. So I'd come to y'all and say, Jen and Jill, I'll be your bookkeeper. It's going to be $500 a month. I don't want to charge by the hour because then I'm going to go and I'm going to rock my tech stack and I'm going to be able to do the work quickly. That would take y'all hours and hours and hours to do. I'm going to be able to do it fast because I've invested in learning you know, integrations and out, you know, how to, how to do stuff quickly. I can set up rules in the software that do the work, do some of the work for me. Then y'all are wowed. My clients are wowed because I provide them what I needed, but then I'm able to go get more and more clients because I'm not having to do the slow work that grandma used to do on pen and paper. So tech curious is a good way to describe that um, because there's so many apps coming out y'all that help us do our job, um, but you can't be scared of it. Yeah, Ooh. that makes sense. Uh, that was going to be one of my questions with the, you know, someone might think, oh, I, I'm very detail oriented. I love working with numbers. But if you aren't comfortable learning a new software and the clicking around, that could seem mm. to me like a barrier to entry into this. But mm. Yeah. yeah, but I love tech curious. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be like IT, like coding lover, but just open to learning new tech. That's awesome. My mom is a mm-hmm. bookkeeper and yeah, and she like has to take some QuickBooks classes every so often to learn even the new yeah. same software, new features sort of thing. So that's a great point. Like, so I am a QuickBooks Pro Advisor. I don't really serve clients in QuickBooks anymore. I've chosen a different general ledger, but I still keep my QuickBooks cert because I kind of, it's the big, it's the big gorilla in America. Mm -hmm. Like it's the, it's the most common software. So most bookkeepers um, are familiar with it if they haven't built their business on it. But every June 30th, I have to get recertified before June 30th. And if, and it's like panic if you think you might lose your credential because then the test is so much harder. The research is easy or it's only three three little like short exams. Uh, actually, this year it was just two short exams, but the full cert is like 10 quizzes. It takes days to, to do. Um, and so you're like, never will I lose that that I, I only want to have to recertify. And I just had to do that. And it's important because the software changes so much. In a year, those developers are just like, they're building this and that. And it's like, what? That used to be on the left. Now it's on the right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Job creation. Um, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. Nerd Wallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards, a free flight, a room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet, finance smarter. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. 
Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So for somebody who thinks they want to get into bookkeeping, either working for a company or maybe doing freelance, where do you go to learn how to become a bookkeeper Let's let's talk about that question first. Like, should you choose a software to learn? Is it general? Like, what does the learning process look like starting out? I got lots of thoughts on this. So there's free <laughs> accounting fundamentals resources. There's paid accounting. Fund- like you can, there's a website called accountingcoach.com. It's my favorite thing to recommend. That is like accounting 101. And you can even buy like the flashcards if you want to, like we're talking like school, y'all. And it's free. Um, And you can pay for tests. And with entrepreneurship, there's a lot of confidence issues. And sometimes like if you can pass a test, you might just like confidence will explode because you won't, it'll help be a signal to you because, you know, I'm looking over my shoulder and there's no one here but me. Like who's telling me if I know what I'm doing, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So accounting coach does have tests you can pay for, um, but there's all sorts of like just free, those kinds of free resources. Now for the entrepreneurship, there are a lot of, um, ways to teach you how to become an entrepreneur. There are a ton of bookkeeping, like become a bookkeeper courses. Some are better than others. I have thoughts about that if anyone, if we want to go in that direction. But um, generally, I like it to be someone who's actually run a bookkeeping business. And for me, I like it to not be a membership style because I think every one of us is going to continue to have questions. And so I like, I'd rather pay an all-in price for my course, knowing that I'm, I'm always in and I can always get the support. Um, I've, I've started to sway away from monthly, like, training that also then requires me to pay infinitely for months, you know, even if it's a small fee, because like, I'm going to have a question three years from now that I still need help with. Mm-hmm. And then for the software... Like I recommend, um, I'm using FreshBooks, but, and feel free to come and use FreshBooks with me. I'm not trying to discourage people. It's just a much smaller market. So I'm trying to like, I'm trying to play the niche play, but I recommend people get certified in QuickBooks Online and in Zero. Those are the two largest general ledger, cloud-based general ledger. And you want to be cloud-based so that way you can move wherever you want. We can go on our sabbaticals and still keep our clients or what, you know, take mm-hmm. the RV trip around the year, be, be cloud-based. Um, and QuickBooks and Zero both have free certifications on their software. And that's going to be a great way for you. It's, it's basically their teaching tool of how to get people brought up to speed quickly on their software. And if you do both of those te- uh, uh, programs, you can do one, depending on your background, like if you've got zero background, it's going to be longer, but um, you can do them in a week or so. And then I think you'll learn which software you like best. And then I suggest you pick one. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be good at either if you are using both, but you can become an expert if you really like make yourself wrestle and like, and like, and it's hard because someone's going to come to you and say, Hey, will you do my books in this other software? And you're like, but I'm trying to only take clients in this one. And if you can say no, there'll be another one you know, a couple weeks later or a month later, and you'll be glad that you're not um, splitting your time in in two general ledgers. Mm -hmm. And then you just described you can kind of know what your style is in a week. What would you say would be overall kind of time investment, maybe even cost investment for feeling ready for your first client? Oh, man. Um, it really just depends on the background you have. Like a lot of people come at this because they've been in accounting. Like you're in corporate finance and so you've done accounting for one company and maybe it's a big, big company, you know, 2000 people and you're in the accounting department. That person's going to move more quickly, um, but they might not have ever worked in QuickBooks Online or Zero. They're using some huge ERP system. And so mm-hmm. they might just need to learn 
a, a technical software and they're like, oh yeah, I know in my software, this is how I made an invoice. And in QuickBooks, this is how I make an invoice because it's all parallel. We're only all, we're all doing the same things. We're creating invoices, recording expenses, getting reports ready. Everyone can do that. So you just have to figure out like what's more intuitive to you. It's just a matter of like how the software was built and maybe how your brain thinks. So the time, I, it's hard to say. I truly think like it's longer than you think. Like, like I would say it's, it's, it's probably, if you've never done small business bookkeeping, like you're looking at months before I think that you're ready. But then everyone always says like, you know, take, take your first, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm <laughs> right. not the best. I'm not the, I encourage you to, to get started, but I, it's such a serious business. You know, I guess that's my point. I don't want people to say, oh, I can, I've never done accounting and I'm going to handle someone's books in a week. Like, mm-hmm. please don't. Cause that's their, it's their livelihood and that's how they feed their families. And you can really mess things up fast inside yeah. of a bookkeeping software if you don't know what you're doing for cost you know the course that I took um, to get started five years ago um, and I have an MBA so I had some accounting background I had some entrepreneurship like training sort of although my MBA was like 10 years old whenever I started to do this so um, it's not like it was fresh I wasn't fresh out of school but that course that I take I think is it's about two thousand dollars some courses cost more than that um that's really, I think, the max anyone needs to pay. I think there's a lot of good courses at that price point. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of people trying to sell them for higher than that, though. And I just kind of, I'm like, oh, man, I, I, I don't know why. Unless you just really resonate with those instructors. Yeah. I think you have, I think there's a lot of courses at, at about the $2,000 price point that have like everything you would need to be a bookkeeping entrepreneur. That's for the entrepreneur path. They'll mm-hmm. teach you a, they'll teach you the bookkeeping stuff and teach you the engagement letter and pro- how to make proposals and how to price and all the soft stuff. Right. Because you're, you're going to be a good bookkeeper for your own self then in that process. Yeah. Yes. You're, yeah. That's a really good distinction because some people are like, why do I need to pay t- for a $2,000 course if I can get the certification for free? But that's really where the value is. Like, yes, you can, uh, you can and should find free ways to learn, get your certifications. But if there are soft skills that you're not going to find for free, online. That's where you do find those in these courses. So yes, Mm -hmm. I think if you want to be, you know, working for Intuit or something, maybe not. But like, if you want to be taking freelance clients like you're doing, Kate, then a lot of value in that. And, And you can mention the course that you took and recommend if you want. So I took a cook, a course called bookkeeper launch. Um, I also run, a community called the bookkeeping side of the community. And I have like, I have resources that like of pro- other, other programs too. I, that course changed my life. I will, I will say that, but I think that was five years ago. And there have, there are hand, there are a handful of other courses that are honestly equally as good. And I, I love my instructor. I just was at his conference. Like literally that's what yesterday I was at the conference for the, his students, 600 people. I love it, but um, I'd be disingenuous if I didn't say that they're, you know, it, there's other equally good fits. And so what I say is find the instructor that resonates with you because you're going to want to quit. And so who is it that's going to make you open your computer at five in the morning when you're getting up for your kids or or at 10 o'clock at night after you put everyone to bed because you're doing this hard thing of starting a business and learning a new skill? Whose face do you want to see teaching, <laughs> teaching you the things you need to learn? That's like way more important. And, and who has a team to like, when you say you're, you you're going to stop, that they're like, no, come back, keep going. Here's your next step. 
because you're going to feel that for sure. Mm. Oh, that's helpful. So let's say somebody did the thing. They took the months. They feel confident. They burn the midnight oil and they want to start looking for clients. Where would you recommend someone begin? Are there some niche businesses that you've seen might be more prime for the pumping? What are you what are you seeing? The more you know accounting, the more you're going to know how hard accounting is for different types of businesses. So like you might think, oh, I've, I own a home. I can do, that means I know real estate. Like, no, real estate, super, super hard accounting. E-commerce, super, super hard accounting. You're like, I bought on Amazon. Maybe I can do e-com. Like, no. So the more you know accounting, the more you're going to know how hard the businesses are to serve. Service-based businesses are the easiest. They're going to pay less because their needs are not as great. Like they could maybe even do their own bookkeeping, right? So, and the thing about a niche, most everyone I've talked to, and I've been doing this for a while, and I've, I've, I have a big network in this community. People say the riches are in the niches, but everyone who has a good niche says, I wouldn't have picked this niche when I started. Like it's, like, it's like you fall into it. And so I really encourage you to get a handful of clients because you might think like, oh, well, I love good food. Maybe I'll do restaurants. And then you're like, no, restaurant bookkeeping is a is miserable. It's super, super hard. There's <laughs> it's not the same as eating the good food. It's not the same <laughs> as eating. So taking a few clients before you niche, I think is probably the wisest before you, you know, don't hire the copywriter to make yourself the website for the being the painter's bookkeeper, like all this stuff. And then you're like, well, it turns out I really liked chiropractors. So don't, don't niche too early. But um, I think getting your first client is the, the, the gold mine is like people that you know. And I'm not, not your best friend, not your family. I'm just saying like someone you interact with. Like I got my first client at a networking session locally in Virginia Beach when I was living in Virginia Beach. My second client was a dad in the kid pickup line at school. We were like standing in the lobby and just chatting and he he lost his bookkeeper and needed a new one. I, I hadn't really ever talked to that guy at all. Like his kid's way older than mine, but there was still like sort of a personal connection. So if you tell everyone that you're a good bookkeeper, I think that's probably the best way to do it. I don't think you should spend money on ads at first or anything like that. Um, look, like if you tell a hundred people you're a bookkeeper, you'll probably get a client. Oh, yeah. I love that. 100, 100 people you know, 100, 100 people you know that you're a client or that your cousin knows. Like, like yeah. not, not further than that. Not further than that away, okay? Well, and I love that uh, you can do this yes. online so it doesn't have to necessarily mm -hmm. be in the school pickup line. It can be something that you put out on social media and be able to get clients from family who live in another mm -hmm. state. Mm -hmm. That's yes. And I don't I didn't want that's that's a good catch. Thanks for correcting that. I did get my first two clients locally in my town. I served them virtually, which that's important. Draw that line in the sand from the very beginning. Don't go to anyone's office and pick up papers from them. There are tools that do all of that now. Like never touch a receipt. The receipts will come to you in an app like that's that that's how to do it. So I served them virtually. But you're right. Like your, your existing network is what I'm talking about. And it doesn't have to be like in your actual neighborhood. Yeah. How much time would you say when you do have clients that each client might take you per week? Super varying. Um, I take on small, low requirements clients because for me, I deliberately don't want a client that like needs me. I don't even want a client that needs me every week, y'all. That's just my, but some people, you can make a lot more money if you take clients who need you weekly. But 
So I'm doing smaller, more like monthly cycle bookkeeping. And as long as I get them done within the month, that's fine. And so it's like on my own schedule. And then we meet and have a debrief. But um, so I really am tackling the small guys. But it's it, it like it's there's so many services you can provide. And with with sales, you'll learn that like if you can get more money from an existing customer, that's usually better than going and finding a new customer. So if you start small and then you're like, hey, can I pay? Can I help pay you? pay your bills for you. That's an add-on service. Hey, can I run payroll for you? You've been doing that and that's stressing you out. I, I can do that for you. I can make your invoices for you. I can do receipt management for you. All those are more and more time, right? And I don't do a lot of those additional add-on services. I know people who make a good living serving a handful of large clients and then a lot of small clients. So it's just really variable. I, if anyone tries to tell you that there's an answer to that question, they're lying. Okay. Oh my gosh. I love it. I love how honest you are. It's like (laughs) what everyone's thinking, but nobody's saying. Uh, Thank you. Well, because you're going to get served ads. Everyone who probably watches this Uh podcast is going to end up getting served an ad from coaches who are going to say like, buy five hours a week, hundred grand. And it's like, no, probably not. Maybe the outlier would be that. After like, emailing and, and researching for this interview have started to get ads get for, ad? oh yeah yeah I've already I've already started wow. so yeah good good looking out it is good to know because especially for those who are wanting to approach this as a quote-unquote side hustle that maybe always remains a side hustle or turns into a business it's helpful to know that there's a range of the types of clients okay. how much time they're going to take that you could find clients like just hearing you say those in the service field might take less time that can be helpful to know when you mm-hmm. are initially looking for clients and and decide how much time do I even have to give to something? And what is the general need? How often are people going to want to be reaching me? So your your honesty in that and kind of laying out the reality that there's a spectrum is helpful to know and even deciding. Because if I only have five hours a week to give, then this may not be my side hustle. So. Mm-hmm. Well, and I want to say, like, for me, if you... The, the courses nowadays, most courses nowadays are going to tell you to do what's called value pricing. And so we're not going to track our time. I mean, you can track it internally for yourself, but you don't, ideally, you're not telling your client how much time you work. And the reason is, is because we're supposed to get faster is because the first month is slow and, and clunky, but then we set up bank rules in the bookkeeping software. The software gets trained, y'all, like the software, and then more and more so it's going to get trained. And so the more we work in the books, like things are going to go faster. And then we're like, oh, I can buy a $10 add-on app and do that thing that's taken me an hour, only 10, uh, it only takes 10 minutes and it's only 10 bucks. Oh yeah, that's worth it. And so you make more money over time, even with less clients. That's the goal. That's the goal because I've gotten better at serving you. I know exactly how your invoices are laid out. So I can do 10 invoices and the amount of time it used to take me to do two, um, or I invest in technology to help me, you know, zap some stuff around. Mm -hmm. And then you're, effective hourly rate um, goes up. Your effective hourly rate goes up, even though your client doesn't know anything about the concept of an hour, of how much you're making per hour. So that's another reason why if you need a lot of money to tomorrow, that's not, it's not as good of a, of a job, but if you can get a $500 client, hopefully in a year from now, you've raised your price because of inflation. Like everyone should be raising their prices anyway um, on a regular clip of some sort and you're working less. Like that's, that's the goal. 
That's, that's the ideal scenario. <laughs> I love mm. that scenario. I love that ideal scenario. Yes. You know what else I love that is usually a secret to all of our listeners until they've listened and for a long time? So ideal. The, the Bill of the Week. week. For the best minute of your entire week Maybe a baby was born And his name is William Maybe you paid off your mortgage Maybe your car died And you're happy to not have to pay that bill anymore Duck bills, buffalo bills Bill Clinton This is the Bill of the Week Kate, every week we invite our listeners Our guests to share with us Their favorite bill for the week uh, And we are excited to hear yours. All right, I've, I've, I'm excited to share. So we're a military family. So my bill of the week has to do with the bill for entertaining your family. Um, if you are at all affiliated with the military, y'all, um, I am for many years, my whole marriage, but I have kind of, we haven't taken advantage of a lot that the military offers, but we are living on base right now, temporarily in our new duty station. And there is so much that they offer. And so my bill of the week is figuring like we went paddle boarding. We've gone bowling. There's a movie theater with like the newest movies, like the newest movies for super cheap. And so if you are at all affiliated with the military or have a military friend who can get you on base, you can go rent a paddleboard for five bucks. If you're in Fort Worth where I am, every base is different. You can rent RVs. You can it's the, the office is called the morale. MWR, Morale, Welfare, and Recreation Office. And you can get their their job is to keep sailors and soldiers, you know, entertained and, you know, morale up and take advantage of it because we hadn't for a long time. And so my bill of the week is take advantage of the MWR morale and increase your family's morale for very low amounts of money. Yes. Wow, I love is... that one. <laughs> Unlike I had no any idea. other bill we've gotten. Yeah. Yes. That's so fun. I had no idea something like that existed. So I'm super glad, A, that it does exist, and B, that more people are going to take advantage of it now. Yes. I hope I hope so. Go, go every, if you live near a base, uh, look at, look at the list of stuff that they offer and That's go camping. cool. Yay! Yeah, I love that, that that can be available to even friends and family of those in the military, not just those serving. That's great. Mm -hmm. Well, if you all listening have a bill that you want to submit, if it has to do with living on a military base and the things that are available to you or anything else bill related, you know, we like to keep it vague. Visit frugalfriendspodcast.com slash bill. Leave us your bill. We're just arms wide open over here, ready and waiting. Mm -hmm. Maybe your commander's name is Bill. Just send him on over. Send, oh, send, send him Commander to, Bill. Uh, send him to Jen. Send <laughs> what? Just to leave a bill of the week. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. Nerd Wallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards, a free flight, a room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. 
Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now it's time for the lightning round. Pew, pew, pew. All right. Pew. <laughs> All right. So today uh, in our lightning round, we want to know what's the most unexpected expense you've discovered when going through your business or personal transactions or, or Kate, if you have a hilarious one that you can disclose, but or a- anything interesting, unexpected. Hmm. Unexpected. I guess I'm just going to be nerdy bookkeeper here. Um, before I started my business, I didn't know how much transaction fees were. So that has been unexpected. And I have been working in my business to try to, like, as I get paid, reduce transaction fees. Um, all the, but it's just... It's just dang hard to like, like, mm-hmm. I guess banks want their money and pro- payment processors want their money. Um, but before I was a business owner, I, I didn't know that. Um, and it's a, it's a not insignificant line item on, um, people's profit, you know, business owners profit and loss statements. What we have, what we have to pay to get paid. Mm-hmm. That was new, new to me, um, in the, as an entrepreneur, um, a couple of years ago. So. Yeah. Fun fact. We, you might know that. Um, so as, as far as valuations of companies, like on the yeah. stock exchange, it might come as no surprise that SpaceX is the highest valuation. The second highest valuation for a company is Stripe. Yeah. It, $50 billion. It's because of all those transaction fees. So fun, fun little fact. I think I've heard that their CEO, like almost kind of is like a little bit like, like, embarrassed about that and like i think he tries to be really terrible because it's like really like i'm just helping people move money that's like all i do and i'm like we we make money hand over fist so mm-hmm. there's a lot of like pushback about how are you so wealthy like because you're helping small little guy right like you're taking t- all that is from like the tiniest little guy mm-hmm. who's like the food truck man and then making stripe guy rich so yeah um, but stripe is better than paypal i will i will pay transaction fees there over paypal any day so if you use PayPal, your books are wrong, people. So I just, that's oh, the worst. Good note. I, I okay. get, you get charged extra if you come to me with a PayPal account in use because <laughs> it's hard. Well, good. I'm glad we don't use PayPal. That's fantastic to know. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Doing one thing right today. Right? Yes. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Jen? What's your answer? So uh, we do our own bookkeeping for frugal friends <laughs> quote unquote but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah quote unquote <laughs> bookkeeping <me. laughs> oh god i hate your i am when you are talking about the entrepreneur that hates bookkeeping it's like she's talking about me she's talking about me i have to be quiet quit talking about me yeah but so i in 
bookkeeping back in October. I or no, it was um it was in January. In October, I'd canceled this um membership that we had had this um uh, monthly it was a it, I had paid annually in October like the prior October. So um I canceled that and it was fine, nothing weird. And then January they charged me for another full year. Like I hadn't even bought the membership in January. Nothing had happened in January with that place. Like, but they charged me for a full year in January and I had to go back in there and be like, Hey, I canceled this in October. I had the receipts and the emails of where they said it was okay. They did not charge me in October. I canceled in enough time with the terms and conditions. Yeah. For some reason, they just randomly charged me like $1,000 in January or something. It wasn't $1,000, but that, uh, yeah, and I had to get that, that company refunded. needs a, they need a bookkeeper too. Yeah. Yeah. I okay. imagine they do. Is that the type of thing fire. that would be like a bookkeeper's responsibility to also be ensuring that these things that were canceled are not being charged again? Or who would that fall on if you were paying a bookkeeper? So, like, I, I wouldn't... I wouldn't fight the battle for my clients, um, but I, there are bookkeepers that would. Mm -hmm. Like, just, it just depends on what level of service you're getting from them. I would say that's becoming more of like a controller, um, like getting close to like having like an in-house, like full accounting person where I, I'm more of like a compliance person. So like, I'll make sure that your reports are ready for tax time. But th th that's all deliberate. I'm Come to my Facebook group and y'all can learn about like different ways to do entrepreneurial bookkeeping. Some people do love to be like the full in-house person, do all the extra controller work, you know. So that bill that got charged extra was a fluke, but someone who has a bookkeeper is going to maybe even notice that faster. Um, and so the bookkeeper is going to say, um, you know, this has always come in in October. I don't know, like, did you rebuy this again? Um, especially if we, we we report on like variances, like, you know, your education, we, you know, we agreed that you were, y'all were going to try to cut education uh, category this year. That was one of your goals, but then you went and blew a grand, like what's going on gals. Um, so that's the kind of conversations a bookkeeper mm. could have. And then you'd have to decide like, okay, I got to go send the email. And like, for me, I wouldn't be the one trying to get the refund for, for my clients, but some bookkeepers would, would do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's helpful. There's so many different things, like all the different mm -hmm. words you've been using, like the con the controller, the compliance, or the actual bookkeeping, or the I did tax, not know what a controller was, <laughs> and I still don't fully know what a controller is, but I know it's a position that I had that somebody held at the last company I worked for. They were the controller of wow. the company, Could and you I imagine that was what very cool. Life at home with them looks like. <laughs> <laughs> She People seemed in the like a nice woman. the controller. <laughs> Do you know what my title is? It's just like is? the boss accountant. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know if that were my title, though, I would be milking you that would, all yeah, no. day and night. <laughs> it would be really hard to give be around your, you. You can give yourself that title. Y'all are the boss, right? Just like you can title yourself whatever you want. <laughs> Co-host controller. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Well, Jill, well, um, it's your turn. Gah. In my personal life, my unexpected expenses that I'm discovering is related to my own stupidity. I just feel like I am striking out just everywhere because of the How? fine print. 
Oh, I've mm-hmm. been telling you all my stories, yeah. Jen. Like Ugh. things are just costing me money. It feels like it's my fault. I don't think it is. I think it's these other people with their fine print. It's a it's a cautionary tale to read the fine print your life is. I and I read the fine print and I think I understand it. And then oh, I've got so many stories of expenses that are just what am I going to choose though? I'm gonna, you know what? I'm going to go with. <laughs> going to take a hard left turn and talk about the time <laughs> when Eric and I had a renovations business. We did minor, yeah, no, not minor. We residential, like kitchens, baths, whatever for people. One of the unexpected expenses, since we're talking about entrepreneurialism, side hustles, or owning your own business, was the time that it took to shop for a customer that we often did not factor into our estimates. And I think that this happens in a lot of different types of businesses, those additional time pieces that you're giving to a client that isn't necessarily the me installing the kitchen cabinets in the room, but me needing to go online and look for this or that or the dimensions or return something. And that just ate up so much of our time and profits by the end of the day. Like our hourly wage became so minimal Mm -hmm. because the unexpected expense of our time to be doing some of these things that we just hadn't factored in. So I don't know if there's a, if that like relates at all to bookkeeping, but I feel like the, the time that you put in to things that aren't necessarily like me inputting or doing the job that you technically hired me for, but these kind of like ancillary tasks, I feel like always get forgotten. It totally relates to just entrepreneurship in general. Like you want to reduce the amount of unpaid time you work. Um, one, one way I've done that is no one works with me without getting me for two hours instead of one. So we don't work two hours at a time, but we do two one-hour sessions when I'm training because I was doing one hour because some people were like, oh, I need you for an hour. And I'm like, it takes me 10 minutes to... First of all, I'll have the like the sales call, and then I'm going to input you in my software to send you the invoice. Like all that's like unpaid time, right? Or send you the send you an email back and forth because you have a question. And we have to reschedule our time or whatever. Like, and so I'm like, okay, my my minimum engagement is a, is two hours whenever I do training, just be, just because of that, because of the fiddle, the fiddling. Yeah, and. With, with when you value price bookkeeping, you do you do leave yourself open for a, a crushing your your hourly rate one month. Like if something bad happens and you still have to deliver, like if an app gets disconnected or if an app duplicates things, like a client's not going to pay you to fix that because you said it costs you three fifty a month for your reports or five hundred a month for your reports, and you're like, crud. Like sometimes it's not all unicorns. Um, mm-hmm. But the idea is that over time, like value pricing is better. But yeah, there's plenty of unpaid time and mistakes in in pricing. Mm. Well, Kate, thank you so much for all of your insight. Where can our listeners who are interested in bookkeeping as a side hustle get more from you specifically? The, for the last year, I put most of my heart and soul into my newsletter. It comes out every other Saturday and you don't even have to give up an email to get it because I'm anti-email marketing a little bit. So you can go to bookkeepingsidehustle.substack.com and in there, you can read the the archive since I've moved to Substack, which was about a year ago. And that's where I just 
I really put my heart and soul, I, be, I build in public on that newsletter. And then I provide a whole lot of just what I think is useful in the last two weeks. Um, and you'll get linked to like all the other stuff I do, like my Facebook group, you'll get linked to the videos I make on my YouTube channel that week. And it's kind of my my host and my hub and, and where it's where my heart is right now. So bookkeepingsidehustle.substack.com. Cool. Awesome. And what was the name of your Facebook group? I think if you just search bookkeeping side hustle group in Facebook, you will, uh, it will, it will come up. It's got like, I finally paid someone to like make a little logo. It's like blue and orange, I think with a nice. white background. Um, and it's got, I don't know, it's kind of a big group. So if you see it, I think it might be over 20,000 members now. So that's the one that I run. Um, nice. But you can get to that easily. If you go to the newsletter, I always uh, put like the most interesting, com- the most interesting conversations. And so when you click on a conversation, if you're not in the group, then you'll get it have to ask to join. Perfect. Awesome. Amazing. Thank you, Kate. It's been wonderful. I've learned so much. Y'all, this was this was great. Keep up the great work. Um, I'm a big. I came to bookkeeping as a side hustle because um, I was interested in personal finance and helping my family's personal finances. And I know that's where y'all's heart is. Um, and so, if it's not bookkeeping, it's something else that y'all are going to teach. So I hope people, um, you're like, oh man, that bookkeeping stuff sounds terrible. I'm going to listen to the next episode, and that's <laughs> totally fine. <laughs> Keep listening to Frugal Friends. But you were oh. honest, even if it sounds yes. terrible. Yeah. You got I love honest, it. genuine conversation. <laughs> Thank there you. There are people Kate. who love this. They really mm-hmm. are. They really are. Yeah, yeah, Good yeah. for them. Good for them. Yes. <laughs> Welp. I don't think I'm going to leave you for bookkeeping, but thank God. If I ever did, I think I would want to learn it from Kate. I Mm -hmm. said that to her after we stopped recording, but she, the way that she talks about it, delivers it, I just feel like I trust her. And I love that when it comes to learning from somebody, uh, getting the tools and tricks. So. Yeah, she's not selling you on anything. She <laughs> is telling you and and telling you if it's not right for you too, mm-hmm. which we're huge fans of. Like we don't think Frugal Friends is right for everyone. And we want people to know like if you're not a fan of like girls talking to each other, then it's not going to be for you because we can't. There's so many things we can't change about that in a short time span. <laughs> So I love like Kate's attitude around all of this. And so we hope that you got a lot from this episode if you're interested in side hustles. Uh, And so thanks so much for listening. We personally have a membership and we love to include our listeners who are paying off debt into this community where we're doing monthly challenges. Uh, We do ad-free interviews. We have courses, all kinds of things to help you on your journey. And we want to congratulate one of our members for a big win, Jacqueline M. She says, at the end of last year, I vowed to not buy any new or used, in quotation marks, or maybe those are asterisks, clothing in 2023. So far, so good. I have plenty, and even buying used clothing that you don't really need takes up money, time, and resources. I have nice rewards, nothing over 150, by the way, no yachts or jets. (laughs) I tried... Oh, tied to each debt payoff and savings goal uh, I have to keep me motivated. So her, her external motivation rewards. 
I've heard you shouldn't tie buying material things to trying to curb buying material things. And I get that, but I find that it keeps me focused and motivated. Maybe someday I won't need to think that way, but right now it helps. I actually disagree. I think your rewards should be as closely related to the thing you're giving up as possible. So just in a healthy, like as close as possible. Hot take Tony over here. Jacqueline, this is amazing. And I can't believe that you're you're halfway through the year on hitting this goal of not buying Mm -hmm. any. And I feel like I hear people say, oh, I'm not going to buy any new clothing. But then the shortcut loophole is used clothing. And you can feel way better about that. But if you're still just buying things that you don't need, that you're right. It's still a waste Mm of money, time, resources. So I personally am very impressed and well done and hope that you feel good about the accomplishments that you're making in your finances, but also life, because I think these types of things prove to us what we're capable of, maybe when we thought that we weren't. So well done. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening. If you want to check out our membership where we have all kinds of goodies for to help our members, uh, then head to frugalfriendspodcast.com slash club to check out everything we offer and see if it's right for you because it it's not right for everyone. See you next time. Frugal Friends is produced by Eric Siriani. Okay, Jen. Yes. My, you want to hear my most recent personal stupidity? Yes. Where I'm failing and just like can't be trusted with anything. (laughs) Yeah, I would believe more that you can't be trusted versus you're failing. (laughs) So let me have it. It really does feel like I used to be very on top of things and understanding of fine print and suddenly it just all feels to be going to crap or this is another fine print story yes or i i have been successful at like fighting something in the fine print and that hasn't been happening either okay here it is eric and i are going to san diego in a couple of months for a wedding across the border down into tijuana area. So we're going to be both in California and in Mexico for part of the time. I don't want to be a burden or expect other people to be picking us up and driving us all around. I think we're going to want to be going a lot of different places. So I'm like, I'm going to rent a car. So finally find a car for a reasonable price about to pull the trigger and looking into, okay, well, will I be able to cross the border in this car? Thinking it's San Diego. People are constantly crossing the border into Mexico. I would imagine that given that location, it will probably be allowed. In the fine print, it does say, just as a general statement for the entire rental company, not location specific, that there are some places that have geographic specific restrictions. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe that's the case, but given their location and how how much of a tourist thing this is to cross the border, it's most likely not the case. But if it is, I'll just cancel it. Now, it does say a $50, like if you cancel before 48 hours, they are going to charge you $50. Like it's not an entire refund on this car rental. 
I just wanted to pull the trigger. This is my bad. This is me. This is me not doing what I should have done. But I'm thinking it's not explicit in here. They're not stating what their policies are. They've just given the general statement. So I'm going to book it and then and then give them a call and see, you know, what what the dealio is. And the dealio was that <laughs> they absolutely do not let you take their car over the border into Mexico. And in fact, there are no car rental companies that they know of in San Diego that would you allow you to cross the border into Mexico. So I'm like, then there's no point in me having this car. I'm going to cancel it. Charge me $50. I get on the phone with them saying, hey, your policies weren't explicitly written. I'd like to not be charged the $50 cancellation fee. This isn't going to work for my rental needs. And they're like, no, because we had it written that some geographic restrictions apply, that applies to this. We're still charging you the $50. Mm. <sighs> Call first. Call Book first. second. Yeah, I don't know what my barrier was in that moment. I think I just felt like, oh, this this is going to time out. Like, I have to book it now to be able to get this price. I don't know why I felt like I needed mm. to wait till the booking was secured before I called. I don't know why. Looking back, I don't know why. It felt like there was a barrier at the time. And now all I can do is chalk it up to my stupidity costing me $50 and not going to lie a ton of time. I probably spent two hours on the phone and on chat trying to get them to can't like not Ugh. charge me the $50 fee. I even called my credit card company to be like, will you spot me? Because these people won't. And they're like, nah, not if it's written nah. in the policies. I'm like, it was hardly written in the policies. Hardly. That's, that's legalese. It's hardly written. That's so it's vague. So they can, yeah, yeah. get around it. You know what? You're just gonna walk across the border with the rest of the know. rest of the people. Yep. Who hasn't who hasn't walked across the border to Tijuana, right? It's <laughs> right. You know, and actually it is just faster. Some... It does take forever to try and cross in a car. So it'll probably be yeah. better in the end. I'll say I'll earn back my fifty dollars and the time I save mm. by not crossing. That's a in good the way car. to look at it. Yeah, I That's just I just got there just by talking to you just now, Jen. Thanks for listening. Thanks for letting me vent. Anytime. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast.